The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Keith Campagna. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, and uh, thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. Uh, we continue to hope everyone's doing well, all your teams, your families, everybody's safe, staying healthy, doing your social distancing so we can get past this pandemic. Uh, yesterday was uh, rather interesting. We had another crisis come through the East Coast. So uh, Keith and I were in the outside of a hurricane uh, and uh, we were both bailing water out of our basements, <laughs> or I won't say bailing water, but uh, we were we were we were shop vacing all day long and uh, making sure things worked. And uh, I I was just sharing before we went on the show with Keith. I was putting my millennial hat on, um, but I still have a baby boomer body, uh, which is <laughs> is showing its wear and tear and pains and aches today. Um, but, uh, yesterday in the, you, t- you talk about when the shift hits your plan, uh, the, uh, soon as we went on the air with a webinar yesterday, I had John Sine, which I encourage everybody to go up and listen to it. Uh, we were talking about future employees, future work, future leadership. He, we had so much cool engagement and everything, but in the middle of that, um, by, there was water coming up to my door in my office in my basement. My wife's frantic, couldn't get the window open to get the sump pump going. So, uh, doing a lot of multitasking at that point, but it came off flawlessly. So there's, uh, again, just one more thing that we needed to do. So we, we haven't had the locusts yet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) or, or the aliens, I think aliens are on the way. Yeah. I don't know, but we, we do have the circadians, uh, 17 years. So, Uh, So so it's like, what what else is going to happen this? uh, And and that sort of fits into we we had this conversation yesterday because, uh, Keith, you'll remember uh, about a year ago, uh, maybe a little bit more than a year ago. Now, we had Daniel Levine uh, Mm -hmm. from Wikitrend on and and uh, he told, you know, he brought up future shock, which I wrote a, a little bit. I had a quote in my book. Uh, about future shock. And most of you, I don't even think you were born yet or, uh, when it came out, because it's uh, 50 years ago this year, Future Shock. The book came out by Alvin Toffler. And they talked about what, what Future Shock was, was a disease that would be all inflicted with because of too much change in too short a period of time. And it would leave us overwhelmed, disconnected, and suffering from shattering stress and disorientation. That sounds like today. It, it sounds like it, it sounds you know, like 2020. Uh, and uh, he was talking more about it from a technological standpoint. And so are we. And, and part of what we're talking about is the pandemic just accelerated the change mm-hmm. uh, that that was already going to happen. And, you know, I, I well, you, you were there uh, when I did Workforce 2030. 
uh, back in September, almost a year ago. Boy, is that odd. Oh. Uh, 12, 12 months ago. Uh, I said, whatever you think is going to happen by 2050 will happen by 2030. Whatever you think is going to happen by 2030 will happen by 2025. And, uh, you know, what we were talking about yesterday is that, well, it happened in 2020. So none of the things that's happening now other than quarantining uh, and a few other things uh, ha has really affected, uh, is really surprising to uh, you and me who tend to follow this and especially me, but it just happened a lot quicker. Uh, so uh, again, I, the, the reason I'm bringing that up is you don't have to read the old version of Future Shock, but there's uh, that new, Daniel told us last year, he was, he was contributing an essay. Right to a new book called Aftershock. And Aftershock's out, it's out now. And there's there's about uh, 40 or 50 different futurists that participated and they each wrote an essay in it. And, uh, you know, so they're fairly short, they're like short stories of what their views of what the future was gonna be. And John uh, had contributed, but also Daniel did, and a few other names you might, reg you might recommend. So it's on Kindle, it's on, um, uh, it's also a hardback. The hardback's a, a bit pricey, but it is on Kindle for those who want it. I, I And I started to read it the other day. I actually wanted to see what John wrote, and uh, it, it's quite good. Um, so that'll be my, my busy reading and all my free time for the next yeah. – yeah. Uh, yeah, all my free time. That's what I'll be doing. So, Keith, uh, other than uh, shop backing yesterday, what's what's going on in your world? You know, it's it's interesting, Ira. Um, Laura, you might not know this about me, but the audience certainly, I hope, has picked up on this. I don't watch the news. I haven't watched the news since 2011. I literally, I don't know if I'm happy or embarrassed to say this, but I literally had a friend of mine say, no, dude, there are riots everywhere. <laughs> like, I, I simply, it's out of my life. And I didn't even realize there was rain coming until I looked out of my window yesterday and I'm like, boy, it's raining hard. I wonder if it's getting in the basement. And sure enough, <laughs> which which funny enough, Ira, you know, Lori, when when COVID first hit, we were very uh, like it was weird how our guest list lined up because we had a ton of mindset leaders and and thought leaders about how to develop a culture, how to develop a leadership mindset. And I literally reflected to the idea of, wow, I'm not really freaking out. I guess I've learned how to calm my mind when things go sideways. Because like you, Ira, I had a whole day full of things and I, I simply couldn't do them. I just had to start doing them like, oh, reschedule, reschedule. And then, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's interesting to me to think of what you just brought up about how Stress is going to play such a role with all of the future shock or let's call it present tense shock because we talk all the time about how people simply aren't prepared or trained or taught how to manage stress. And here we're witnessing just blow after blow after blow. And I'm excited to have Lori on because I know Lori sits at the front edge of this as well. Uh, really trying to invigorate HR organizations, business leaders, so that they can align. And maybe, maybe now might be a good time. I hate to, to steal your introduction here, Ira, but oh, you go for it. May, maybe Lori can come in and, and share a little bit with us about what she's seeing in terms of the way people are bouncing back, or maybe not bouncing back from all the crazy stress going on. So Lori, how's that for an intro and welcome to the show? Yeah. Well, thanks guys. It's really my honor to be here. And you know, we had the hurricane come through 
in North Carolina, where I'm based in the middle of the night. And I expected trees to be down because it rained really hard, but my area fared very well. So I'm really grateful because that's the one thing that's happened in 2020 that hasn't turned my life upside down. So I'm sorry for the water in your basement, but we did just okay. And I'm feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, it's great. Hey, so just to go back a second, by the way, because we didn't do the formal introduction, but by the way, we're, our guest today is Laurie Rudiman. Um, we'll, we'll get that information out later, and it'll certainly be on our website in the podcast. And just, I'm going to do a really, really short bio um, from LinkedIn, which is she's a writer, speaker, podcaster, badass, and soon to be author. So mm-hmm. I got a book coming out. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about betting on you. And and again, this is a time for reflection. Uh, people are struggling. They're stressed out. They're figuring out uh, what they want to do, whether they're going to go back to work, whether they're going to have a job, what that career is going to look like. Uh, some people have already pursued that. Some people haven't. And, uh, you know, we'll kind of lead in with one of the, your one of your taglines uh, that's out there is your work is not your worth. Uh, And we've all heard that. And I think for years, especially baby boomers, and I can certainly, uh, well, I haven't struggled with that. I probably defied that uh, because uh, when I left, uh, you don't know this about me, Lori, unless you did some real bio. uh, But uh, my first career, I was a dentist. So I practiced for uh, 18 years. I haven't done it for 25. So don't ask me about, you know, what should I do about my ache and pain? And, you know, can you fill my tooth or clean my teeth? Or uh, So I I, I, so I remember some basics, but you probably want, wouldn't want me to do it. But I remember when I changed, when I said I'm, I'm leaving, I'm, I'm selling my practice and I'm going out, people said, well, what will you do? You know, what, what can you do? You're a dentist. And I said, no, I just happened to have a business that just happened to be in dentistry. And I was probably a marketing, like now, I'm probably a marketing company that just happens to be in HR. Uh, but it was, it was just odd that people, at least in the baby boomer generation, and maybe Gen X to some degree, um, their worth is tied up to their job title. And it's, it's so not true. So that, that's where you're doing a lot of work. And, and your new book is betting on you. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, I'm 45 years old and I've never had a cavity. So I'm doing something right. Um, yeah. Congratulations. I'm, I'm going to now that, knock on wood. I don't want to jinx myself, but I'm feeling pretty good about that. But I appreciate your intro and your story about dentistry because I don't think it's a generational thing. I think there's so many of us in this country who struggle between individual identity and a collective moniker a way to describe ourselves to the group. And instead of really having a human statement about who we are and what we believe in, we shortcut all of that by saying, I'm a dentist, or I work in human resources, or I'm a chemical engineer. And I think we do that because we're in information overload. I think our society, um, the American society is certainly built on how do you contribute? That's how you're identified. So that generally comes from work. But I think all of that has led us to where we are today, which is collectively, we are a society that's overburdened, exhausted, disconnected, and operating in a dehumanized way. And so I feel like it's my responsibility to encourage people to do their life's work, to do the best work, but also to remember that what elevates you personally elevates you professionally. And you cannot be a good dentist if you're not a good human being. You can't be a good HR professional if you're not a good parent or you don't feel love or you can't give love. 
And I've just seen enough examples in my life working in the world of human resources to realize that people are truly disconnected. And that's where I want to help. All right. Now you know why I've been trying to get Lori on the show for about a year. Um, it's, you know, you're, I, I myself jumped into the entrepreneur, I'll use air quotes here, thought leader, kind of wannabe role uh, a little over a year ago, Lori. And it was... I, I I instantly, you know, you do the social media and I, I, I don't know if I met you at a conference or not, but I definitely saw similarities with the messaging that we both were doing. And that is, you know, the I, personally, I see a massive opportunity for happiness and it starts with self-appreciation, self-love, self-patience and all that good stuff. But it really, it's amazing to me to see the movement, you know, that was one of the, my personal goal is to help move the, the mo push the movement forward. And the movement is personal liberation, because when you can get out of stress, you can get into uh, compassion, empathy, and that's how organizations are run. That's how families are run. So it's pretty wild to think that, you know, I know you're doing it. I know I'm seeing you out there doing it. It just, you wonder if, COVID and everything else that's coming along with it, you think it's going to be a stepping stone towards that kind of liberation or you feel maybe it's going to be a stumbling block or maybe a little bit of both? What do you, what do you, what do you see? What do you think? Well, that's a really great question. I think COVID definitely presents an opportunity for everybody to look inward and to first and foremost understand who they are and what they believe in. I do this exercise with people who are really unhappy at work and I ask them to channel their inner Oprah Winfrey and write down what they know to be true. So for me, I know that people are inherently good. I know that a job worth doing is a job worth doing well. I know that for me, dark chocolate cures a lot of problems. So if I know who I am, if I know my truths, I know what I believe in, especially around the idea that people are inherently good, that informs how I can go out into the world. But part of the problem pre-COVID is that we were all tied up in this consumer-driven economy where even, even at the lower ends of our economy, we had to keep up. We had to keep up with mobile phones. We had to keep up with social media. We had to keep up with making sure we looked and acted and affected a certain way. And that drove us to greater attachment to our jobs. And so we were on this weird chicken and egg cycle. And I think COVID really presents an opportunity to opt out, at least for a moment, reconnect with what we know to be true, and then apply that to all the things in our lives. If we know that we value our family above anything else, are we really ever going to go back to the way it was? I don't know. Only you can answer that question for yourself. Mm. But I feel like, especially here in America, we have this opportunity to really reconnect with our American principles of individuality because we have been pushing for so long in this weird economic cycle where we go to work and we support these American companies. And yet we're under these Marxist terms, like we're working for culture and we're working for the movement within our organization. And I really believe that Happiness comes from individual accountability, self-leadership. That's what made this country great. And I think that's what could really pull us out of this virus that's called COVID and the economic virus that we're facing today. That's interesting that you say that because, again, we had this conversation yesterday with John Sine 
I encourage both of you, if you you probably didn't have an opportunity to see it, to, to go listen to it. But you see, he's talking a lot about these things. And uh, again, everybody was so excited that he was on. He's got a great accent, too. By the way, he's, he, I, I found this out earlier. He went to the same high school, but several, like a decade earlier or two wow. decades earlier than Trevor Noah. <laughs> so he's from Cape Town. So that was, okay. the, I said, oh, now, now I know why you're famous, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But, but you, you talk about, um, and I've heard you say that you, you just said this, and I listened to a few of your podcasts. You, you talk about uh, a job worth doing is a job worth doing well. And that is definitely a baby boomer or even a, a, a veterans traditionalist. My, my, parents or my grandparents uh, kind of version of the world. That was their motto. A, a job worth doing is a job <laughs> worth doing well. Uh, so it's odd. I mean, it, you know, that I'm, I'm hearing it from you. Uh, well, wait, you know. wait, I want to interrupt because that's not just your parents' Oldsmobile, right? I mean, that is an American <laughs> ideal that we have strayed away from in the global economy. We've been told that we can have faster, cheaper things, and we can blow through things and we can hack hack away at productivity. And a job isn't necessarily just a job like working at McDonald's or working in a corporation. A job is the job of your life. It's being kind to other people. It's being compassionate. It's being an active listener. So I think in everything that we do, if we view it as a job, if we're going to make an effort we might as well do it well. Otherwise, don't do it at all. I think that's very American, and I'm really trying to push that hard. Can, can you help? So we talk a lot, uh, or I talk a lot about, and I, I introduced uh, Keith to to the concept of growth mindset versus fixed mindset. So yep. you're, you're probably familiar with that. I am. So when I hear that, I could see a number of people saying, see, that growth mindset, you know, this is, this is why, uh, you know, you try hard, you get the best grades, you do everything you can. Um, and that's almost contradictory to, uh, it, in some ways, I, I know where you're going with it, but I think to most, a lot of people is if I can't do it well, I'm not going to try it because maybe I'll make a mistake or I can't be the best, or I can't be a perfectionist. How do we square that? Well, what I'm, what I'm hearing from you is this binary proposition that you've given me, right? That you can either do th something really, really well, or you shouldn't do it at all, or growth mindset and fixed mindset are also two, um, binary opposing ideas. I think there is a spectrum, right? So I do believe that at times 30% is better than 0%. I believe that perfect can be the enemy of good, but I believe in all conditions and all circumstances, we have individual accountability to try and nobody can take your right to try away from you. And I also feel as an adult, you have an obligation to try. That messaging is completely lost for whatever reason in our society. Uh, we People often opt into learned helplessness. They give up, they quit. And that absolutely drives me crazy. So I, I'm with you 100%. Like I believe everybody should try and not get discouraged. But I, I'm here to say that all of these binary propositions we have in our language are kind of bogus. And a job worth doing is a job worth doing well doesn't mean that you have to do something at 100%. You can try it at 45%. And, and there's a path. And it's also a journey to get there. There's a path. Yeah. So, you know, just and I, I again, I've watched a couple of videos you've done. I've listened to you on a podcast. You didn't come out of the womb being able to do that. You've, <laughs> you've you know, probably I, love, I love that. And I love this exercise that I often 
offer up to individuals who are afraid of failure? Because I think that's where this conversation is going, right? A lot of people opt out because they are just fearful of making mistakes, looking stupid, looking dumb. And I hate to say it, but everything you do for the first time is terrible. Everything you do for the second time is also really terrible, right? You have to do things dozens of times to even demonstrate any aptitude. So I love an exercise called a pre-mortem where you figure out what you're about to do. Let's say you're about to paint your kitchen and you take two minutes and you flash forward and try to figure out how you will fail. Not how might you fail, not how could you fail. We're not here for soft language. How will you fail? You take the two minutes, you write it down. Maybe you'll mask poorly. Maybe you'll spill your paint. Maybe you'll pick the wrong color. At the end of those two minutes, you have all these different points of failure and you can rank them from most likely to least likely. And if you address the most likely points of failure before you start anything, you improve your chance of success by 30%. Those numbers are awesome. That's a game changer. So for anybody who's scared out there, you don't want to fail, the way to beat this is to envision yourself failing before you actually fail and then make a plan. I mean, this is just basic project management stuff applied to our own individual lives. But if it works for NASA and IBM and Cisco, some of my clients, it can work for you when you're painting your kitchen. And, and I don't want to minimize the NASA and the IBM component of that, but the idea that certainly resonates on, with me, Lori, that failure is part of a problem or a negative connotation has been removed. And I just literally just this morning took those exact principles and shared them with my 12 year old who's trying to figure out a trick on a skateboard. You know, don't, you know, it really was as simple as remember, you have to figure this out before you get good. And before you get good, you're going to be okay. And then after that, you're going to be great. And you won't even think about doing it. It's, it, you know, it makes me wonder where adults and we'll even call the in the personal, but I want to bring it maybe back into the professional setting where they lose this sense of adventure or self-development or, I mean, fear is a funny thing. We don't necessarily have to spend most of our time today talking about that, but you wonder where people start re like kind of coming back to their inner youth where they have more fun than fear yeah. and they realize that you have to get a couple bumps and scrapes so that you can learn where to duck and not fall as you move forward, right? Because as we all know, life moves by pretty quick. It's getting faster and faster. Super good question. You both ask these tremendously insightful questions. So I appreciate that. You know, I think there are a couple of things that cause adults to really pull back and lose their inner child. I mean, certainly life stages. When you're building your own nest egg, when you're raising children, there's a lot of fear in those early years and mid years of adulthood. But I also think that we live in a society where more and more of us have taken on consumer debt for whatever reason, good or bad, student loans, home loans, credit card debt. And there's one thing I've learned through my 25 years in HR is that you cannot take a risk if you have a large amount of debt. It's just impossible. You cannot finance your dreams on an American Express credit card. And if you have debt from that Amex card, you cannot move forward in your life. So for me, when I work with clients, individuals who are afraid to take a risk, we go right to money because oftentimes they're afraid of going homeless, jeopardizing their nest egg or incurring more debt, or they can't pay off their student loans. And they feel like I have to make a choice between this terrible job and meeting my obligation to SoFi or Sally Mae. I think really rethinking debt 
and using a trick that I learned from one of my mentors, which is paying me first, really viewing myself like a corporation and making sure my balance sheet is healthy. That's what gave me the freedom to start to say, all right, I know where my finances are. I'm working on a plan. And because I have this plan in place, I can then move forward. But I, I really think with the rise of consumer debt, the rise of mortgages, the rise of student loan debt, we have lost our ability to be entrepreneurial, to take a risk, even, even just to dream a little bit about ourselves and taking classes and pursuing our own individual learning. It's definitely hard when you've got a lot of debt to Citibank. And there's, and there's certainly going to be a lot of people thinking about that right now, uh, especially with post-pandemic, uh, you know, whatever is going to happen with this, uh, the, the unemployment benefits, yeah. uh, their jobs and everything going forward. But we're going to take a short break here. Uh, but when I come back, I want to continue this conversation because I've got a I've got a question about what we were just talking about. So we want to thank uh, Lori Rudiman for being our guest today. We're having a great conversation. Uh, this is fun. Uh, you're listening to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. Uh, with uh, I'm here with Keith Compagna again, uh, my co-host. Uh, we're going to hear from our sponsors, Zor.ai and Success Performance Solutions. So stay right where you are. We'll be right back. Hiring top talent shouldn't be left up to the roll of the dice. And yet, that's exactly what many organizations do. They roll the dice, cross their fingers, and pray for a better outcome. Hiring the right employees the first time is much too important and way too costly to leave to a game of chance. Your employees and your customers deserve better. For 25 years, Success Performance Solution has been helping small and medium-sized businesses hire smarter. They offer pre-employment and leadership assessments from typing and data entry to C-suite competence. Whether it's production, sales, healthcare, call centers, or management, Success Performance Solutions can help. Visit their website at www.successperformancesolutions.com to schedule a free demo or call 800-803-4303. Imagine how your company would grow if your candidate experience earned a 99% approval rating. Well, to get to 99%, you need the three best letters in recruitment technology, XOR. Zor's text bots, chat bots, and audio bots increased IKEA's candidate conversion rate 455%. Zor decreases candidate drop-off rates, improves your candidate experience, and collects analytics for future strategy. To learn more, check out Zor.ai. That's xor.ai. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I'm your host, Ira Wolf. I'm here with Keith Compagna, and our guest today is Lori Rudiman. And we are talking about your work is not your worth and how you need to bet on yourself and some of the challenges and about fixed mind. Well, not necessarily fixed mindset, but how life's a journey and you need to take mistakes and uh, you know, why Keith's son needs to practice and learn how to become better at skateboarding and, and, and fall down. Hopefully he doesn't break anything, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll see. Uh, but that, that's, that's part of uh, that process there. So uh, right before the, right before we went on, I'm going to take a go uh, on a little bit of a plug here. Uh, this is a continuation of, 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 um, of a topic. Uh, Keith, you remember Diane Hamill. We were talking about the Curiosity Code. Well, she's my Dr. guest. Dr. Diane Hamill. Yes. She is my guest Hello. next week on another one of the podcasts. So she's the following one to John Sine. 
And we're going to be talking about Cracking the Curiosity Code, which is her book. She's working on a new thing about crack perception, why our perception gets narrowed, why become we become so laser-focused. What, what, but, Lori, when you were talking before, we talk about fears. We talk, you know, what holds people back? Why, why do we lose that? And her focus is on curiosity because we're all innately curious. From We don't lose that. We just bury it. And the four things that she came up with, and this is what I want to get her insight next week, is one is fear, fear of making a mistake. That's why how we jumped into that one. The other is assumptions. You know, the, the assumption is that, oh, I'm not a natural leader or, or you're either got it or you don't. You're either you got your salesperson or you're not. Or, you know, they came from a wealthy family. That's why they have all these things. So they came from a poor family and they had to work hard. So people make assumptions, um, you know, even. We're, we're dealing a lot with the uh, DEI now, you know, the uh, diversity, equity and inclusion. So it's like, oh, you know, no wonder they got that scholarship. You know, they're a minority. So mm -hmm. people make these assumptions. Uh, so her, the four factors we're going to be talking about during that process is fear, assumptions, technology has made us stupid. Uh, it's a big, it, you know, it either makes us really smart because we keep exploring and go, wow, I didn't know it can do that. What else can it do? Or you become really dumb because you rely on it all the time and you can click a button. And then the other is environment, which gets to basically why do parents crush it? You know, quit asking so many stupid questions. Uh, you know, don't take that course because you're going to look, you know, other things. And this fits in today's conversation. You know, um, you need to sustain that 4.0 um, so what's the easiest course I can take? You don't want to take a, a course that you might learn something and challenge yourself and be able to carry into adulthood or into a new career because people will think you're stupid if you don't get a 4.0. So there's, there's lots of rules and, and things that go on. But anyway, that's next Thursday, 2 p.m. Um, we'll, we'll be talking about it. And uh, again, D Diane's fantastic. But today we've got fantastic Lori here, so, uh, the punk rock. Punk Lori, right? punk Lori. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, so I'm too bad we're not doing this like two, a month from now when we're going video. We're going live, and that's another big announcement. Yeah, we're going to actually be doing uh, our podcast as well, but we're going to be going uh, video. So we're going to be live TV. So back to the conversation, Lori. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you were talking about, I, I think that's fascinating. You were talking right before the break about the financial burden that we've got. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, some people had it pre-pandemic. Some people are going to be really in bad shape post-pandemic. Um, you know, let's talk about a, a few ways out of there. You know, your your, your book's coming out. Uh, you know, betting on you. I think the beginning of the year. It's, yeah, it's been year. pushed back thanks to the elections and the pandemic. So it's coming out January twelfth, twenty twenty one. But new year, new you, man. That's how I feel. Yeah. So right. so so, what are some tips? What are some guide? You know, what what are some ways that people can do this other than getting some financial planning? But uh, but you know, even if they're just reflecting, what are they going to do? Because I'm with you. I I and I know Keith and I and we've talked about this for weeks. Um, people aren't going to go back. There's going to be a group of people that are just. You know, the old word hunkering down, you're hankering to go back to work to the way it used to be. And they're they're, they're going to go back to that two hour commute, ride the trains, planes and automobiles to go to work. Uh, they're going to go back in the routine. Why? I don't know. But there's a whole lot of people that are not. They're realizing that, hey, I've got three, four hours a day that I can spend with my kids, reflect, read, take a course, do something. They're just not going to go back to that routine. So what are some ways that people are thinking they'd want to do that, but they can't? 
Well, you know, it's hard to be in other people's heads, but I think all of us have an opportunity to look around and say, what got us here to this moment isn't going to get us there to happiness, to social justice, to a better world, a safer world, a cleaner world. And so in the book, I really explore four ways that people can regain control of their careers and put themselves first by learning to ha- by learning how to take better risks. And so you know, to your earlier point in the conversation, we talked a little bit about well-being, but in the book, I really try to drive home the difference between well-being and self-care. Well-being is a philosophy. Well-being is a way of living. Self-care is the thing that people are trying to sell you, which drives me crazy, right? Because there's nothing you can buy on Instagram or the internet or at Target or CVS that will truly satisfy what's broken in your life. You need to take this overall holistic vision of treating yourself as if you deserve something more than just being a worker at a corporation. So that means getting good rest, eating food that isn't necessarily corporate. Now, I say that while shoving pretzels in my face for lunch, right? Not all of us are perfect. The well-being journey is complex. But if you don't take care of yourself, you are always going to bring those problems pre-pandemic into your post-pandemic life. And so I talk about well-being. I also talk about finances in the book, but I really hope people explore this idea of looking at their finances as if they are running their own individual business. And if that business is bankrupt, to really rethink some of the options that are out there. You know, in the last recession, we had all of this negativity around people who filed bankruptcy. And it turns out what drives bankruptcy in America are medical bills. And now I think we have to actually revisit bankruptcy now that we have a president whose company has filed bankruptcy four times in the past. I think we really need to start unraveling and unpacking some of the shame around debt. And so I talk about that in my book. The third out of the fourth pillar is learning. I think in order to live a better life going forward, we need to double down on being curious to your earlier point, because if you're not learning, you're not growing. If you're not growing, you're dying. And then the fourth thing I try to teach in the book is this idea of risk taking, whether it's the pre-mortem or really understanding your tolerance for risk, what your risk tolerance profile is. If you understand who you are and your propensity to make mistakes, you can make different and more interesting mistakes going forward. So those are the four ways that I think my book really tries to help people really rethink work and honestly just rethink the way they're living. Yeah. And and it's interesting, you know, um, I I am a, I'm I'm talking to, once again, Ira, I'm talking to two people that are doing what I want to be doing, that is writing a book. And it blows my mind to think that it's really as simple as picking up a book and reading it. And maybe you're not a reader all the time. Maybe you're somebody who uh, feels like they want, they're want they uncomfortable enough with the way their world is that they're going to just make a quick change and maybe they buy your book, right? And then they don't finish it. I, I think there's an interesting gap between the thing that keeps people from doing something different and the fear of having to complete it or, or go the whole way. Like you mentioned that you're eating pretzels during lunch and I'm sure you have a, a relatively healthy lifestyle. But the truth of the matter is there's, and, and, and I'm no doctor, nor do I pretend to be one, but there's probably nothing wrong with having pretzels for lunch once, every once in a while. And if you can come to terms with the fact that most of the stuff people think is a barrier to entry or prevents them from doing something 
uh, that makes them feel better about themselves and make better mistakes going forward. You know, 99% of it is myth, even bankruptcy, like bankruptcy is just a way to move money energy through and maybe on a corporate level or a personal level. But at the end of the day, nobody gets you know, like put it sent to the gas chamber because they're, they didn't do finance as well. Right. Right. I really, I, I love where you're going with this because I think you're right. There is this um, desire that people have to change and an inability to move forward and actually execute on it. And the one thing that I've learned in my life and that I communicate in the book is that I think successful people have this propensity to ask why all the time. So they're curious to Ira's earlier point. Why am I eating pretzels only for lunch? Well, because I made some interesting choices about my schedule today so that I could be on this podcast, right? So I know why I'm doing things and I don't really ever beat myself up for it anymore if I make a choice that is suboptimal because overall, my lifestyle is so much healthier than it was a decade ago. So I think this natural way that many people live with shame it is a topic that I do explore in my book. I talk about shame and imposter syndrome. But, you know, I learned from working in corporate America when I worked at Pfizer, for example, Pfizer never had imposter syndrome. They never beat themselves up for eating pretzels because they're a corporation without a soul. But they never said, you know what, I have childhood trauma, so we're going to give this quarter to Eli Lilly. We don't deserve it. Heck no. They said, you know what, we're facing a challenge. We're going to reinvest in the organization. We're going to spend more money. We're going to go into debt in the short term to be better off in the long term. So once I started understanding how these successful corporate entities work by prioritizing their well-being, by prioritizing their viability, it really opened my eyes in terms of what I was doing and the difference it would make if I just followed their lead a little bit more. So so there's something to this show that I try to do as much as possible, and I'm going to give it a, a shot right now. Um, if you haven't noticed in my questions, I feel like we have an opportunity to help people move past inertia. And in doing that, it's sharing the story, right? And you know, for me, I was divorced four years, over four four years, and then 15 months ago, I got laid off. And it's very well documented if you want to listen to two years of the Geek Skeezers and Googleization <laughs> show. But what is it? Is there any advice or, or a shared experience you can offer where somebody who might not be, you know, have a podcast or have a Twitter handle or writing a book, is there something that you've seen or done that, Lori, you might be able to share to somebody out there that's listening and maybe give them a sense of connectivity to moving forward? Yeah. You know, this whole journey for me started at a night in an airport. It was like Kansas City or somewhere in the middle of the country. And I was eating Starburst and drinking Pepsi for dinner because I was between gates trying to catch a flight. It's like the business traveler's terrible dinner choices, right? Went to the Hudson's, I got some candy, got a pop because I wanted to stay up, you know, for my flight. And I just had this moment where I was like, what am I doing? I physically felt terrible. Emotionally, I hated what I was doing and really did not like my life, even though my life was so much better than the people in my family. I had achieved so much compared to the other individuals, and yet it was just lost on me. And I looked around and I said, okay, if I cannot do this another day, what are the things I need to do in order to live a happier life? And I just started making a list. And on there were things like, I need to get more than four hours of sleep. 
I need to move my ass in more than just an airport or from up from my chair out to my car to drive home. I need to see people I love on a regular basis. So I started making this list of things that I wanted to do, things that were important to me. And from there, I thought, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get there? And I started talking to people who actually lived the life that I wanted to live. I tell a story in my book about a man I worked with who never seemed angry about anything, even though he was working with executives all the time. And I asked him, what's the secret to your success? And he told me, I'm a slacker. He gives about 80%, but his 80% is someone else's 100%. Like I just started being curious and stalking the people who were living the life I wanted. And from there, I pieced it together and made it my own. So I don't know if that's helpful, but brick by brick, step by step, I started to build something I was proud of. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Um, anybody who wants to stalk me and ask some questions, feel free. I'm available and I'm happy to answer questions about how to be a little bit happier, even when you have a crappy corporate job. I'm sure they will be. Hey, hey, Lori, we just have a few minutes left. But but I know you're sort of in that position, too, because it's not like, oh, she's got it made and she's out there. You were you pretty much were making your reputation or your your livelihood was as a speaker, you know, up until. Right. So, uh, you know, so all of a sudden. So all of a sudden in, in March, it's like. Crap! What am I gonna do? I mean, we we try to keep this in a clean show, but it's probably not the word you were about to say. But uh, but it's like, oh crap! And I was listening to to one of your podcasts, which I suggest other people go. And it's about from the other side is what's a conference gonna look like? What what are conference makers and meeting planners? So you know, how, how's that going? I mean, what what's yeah, you're undergoing your own therapy, I guess. <laughs> I, I am. I'm certainly having to live what I'm preaching, which is a little complex because I'm like, oh, man, this is hard. This is really hard. But yes, I made a majority of my income through speaking over the past couple of years. And so I was on the road 44 times in 2019 and 52 times the year before that. I mean, it's just crazy, you know. Luckily, I had saved, and so I'm grateful for that. Luckily, I have a partner who has a great job and has health insurance. So in a lot of ways, we've been doing our life right for decades now. I've been married for 18 years. But I also realize that I'm about to sell a book in an era where I can't do traditional book tours and I need to meet an obligation, right? I got this huge advance. I want to pay it back. And so what I'm trying to do is just be really transparent about how I figure this out. So there was a real push to virtual a couple of months ago, like everybody wanted to do virtual keynotes. And I said, no, because I don't think the quality is there. And so I passed on that and turns out I'm right. I mean, these virtual events are not all that stellar just yet. So we're all figuring it out together, but I can guarantee anybody who follows this journey with me that I'll be honest about it and I will teach what I learn, which I think is really important. And and, and I appreciate the message and, and the honesty. And we're all you know, doing that. I mean, I, I did 27 engagements last year. Uh, I am doing some of them virtual, uh, you know, but there were more presentations, not necessarily keynotes. So it, it's slightly different. Um, but everybody's, you know, the, the, the event planners are struggling with it. The, uh, the listeners, the attendees are struggling with it to some degree. And some people have adopted well. I mean, I've had some fantastic presentations and engagement. Um, I shared this a couple times. Uh, I think, uh, I can't remember if it was the Sherm talent, what, one of them early back in March. I mean, it was pretty, or not March, uh, but April or May. It was pretty early on. I had more engagement on that 
presentation than I did on any of the 27 wow. I did last year. And I had That's good awesome. ratings last year. So, but others have been tough. I mean, other ones sort of, I've, I'm not sure if there's a response, if I'm speaking to anybody, some of these, I'm re, you're pre-recording it. So there's no interaction. You know, you're supposed to have an interactive session, but it's one way because you pre-recorded it a month before. <laughs> so, so it's, it's all some challenging. some of them look like hostage videos. I mean, they yeah. really look oh, terrible. Yeah. So. Um, some of them still look that way. So <laughs> I was on a call yesterday preparing the speakers because they just converted another one to, or from face-to-face to, uh, or an in-person event to uh, virtual. And some of the questions that, that I was hearing from the speakers is, oh, God. Yeah, we're in trouble. Hey, um, Laurie, how can people get a hold of you? What's what's the best way to do that? Sure. The easiest way is to go to punkrockhr.com and you can find my podcast, a link to my blog, a link to pictures of my foster kitten. All the good stuff is there. If you're interested in a foster kitten, I am your woman. I will fly this cute, adorable kitten all over the country. So you just let me know where you are and we'll make it happen. Excellent. Hey, this was this was a lot of fun. This was uh, I know uh, Keith has spoken highly of you prior to this. Um, by the way, I've mentioned Dr. Diane Hamilton a few times. Uh, good friend, uh, super smart. Uh, I'm going to connect you two as well. I think uh, you'd be a great guest. She has a podcast. You'd be a great guest on that and especially continuing lines with that. So we'll, we'll make that connection for you. Thank so, you. Appreciate that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Keith, uh, well, actually, let me do this a, a, a minute before we uh, kind of wrap up here. Uh, I have got, uh, there's a number of things, a uh, number of events I mentioned, uh, other than Geek Skeezers and Googleization, next week, one o'clock, uh, we'll be back here with another guest. Uh, but next week, as I mentioned, uh, August 13th, uh, 2 p.m., uh, Dr. Diane Hamilton, uh, you can go to crowdcast.io forward slash Ira Wolf. That's crowdcast, that's C-R-O-W-D-C-A-S-T dot I-O forward slash, and my name, Ira, I-R-A-W-O-L-F-E. And I'll take you to all the events that are coming up, but that's next week. The following event, we've got a really cool, uh, a little bit, uh, uh, we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but uh, Dr. Solange Charis, uh, she does a lot of analytics, b- business intelligence, and she's identified a really important subject and can quantify this. Uh, you could do all the diversity and inclusion you want. They're numbers, it's demographics, st- statistics, but it doesn't mean everybody has an equal opportunity. Just because you have representatives from each ethnic, race, gender, uh, sexual orientation group, it doesn't mean that everybody's given the same opportunity to grow, advance, move up in the organization. She's able to quantify that. So I highly encourage everyone to do that. Uh, that's August 20th, 2 p.m. These are all at 2 p.m. on Thursday. So you can get to that again by Crowdcast. And then the following week, uh, we're wrapping up our series with Dr. Ed Gordon on rebuilding workforce uh, or the future of employability. And uh, he's had this is the fourth in the series. And you didn't have to attend the other ones, but uh, they're up. They're available online as well. So I appreciate that. Uh, Keith, any final words? I am thrilled that we finally got to get you on the show. And I'm super happy and excited for you in spite of the temporary layoff in terms of corporate travel and speaking. Um, I think that, you know, for the listening audience and maybe people listening to the podcast after the fact, it's real. You can literally accomplish the life that you feel is worth living. You just have to give yourself a little bit more credit. And it feels so much more rewarding to me when it's coming from people that are already out there doing it. You know, Lori, it hasn't held back in any capacity about how 
you know, she's gone through life, she's in her 40s, and she has zero regrets that she shared with us today. But the truth of the matter is, is that you can have your story retold in a different way. All you have to do is just take a breath and realize that you need to take inventory on what you want and then just start asking people for help. Because one of the things I learned in my entrepreneurial journey is if you don't ask, no one's going to answer. So do that more often. Appreciate that from both of you. Uh, one thing I did forget about uh, was that we actually do have a Twitter. Uh, we have a new Twitter account, um, new Twitter handle for the, the Geek Skeezes and Googleization show. It's GGG underscore pod, GGG underscore pod. So go up and follow that and you'll get all your all the updates pre and post show, and hopefully you'll tweet during the show, and we'll start following that as well to get some comments. Uh, thanks again, everyone, uh, for listening to uh, Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Uh, if you'd like to join GoogleizationNation.com, uh, or you'll go to GoogleizationNation.com, uh, and it's free, and you'll get updates about all these webinars and seminars and everything else going on, uh, and uh, our, our guests, uh, and we're going to be uh, expanding that as well. Uh, we're always interested in hearing from you. If you'd like to be a guest or a sponsor, just let us know. Uh, thanks again to Zor.ai and Success Performance Solutions for being our sponsors. And until next week, Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, this is Ira Wolf and my co-host, Keith Compagna. Don't let the shift hit your plans. Oh, 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 oh